Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? and get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Happy hump day. We are recording just after we got the breaking news that the QAnon shaman if you will remember, got 41 months in prison for his role in the Capitol insurrection. 41 okay, months. Not bad. You know. Okay. Higher or lower than we were expecting? I think I was expecting lower, but wanted higher. I was expecting it, lower, but I also feel like this is a ploy because they're still not holding the actual people accountable. Like, cool, the QAnon shaman got 41 months. So that gives the impression to the general public that there's accountability happening, you know, it's not okay. But actually, the real accountability is not like the randos who showed up that day in their fucking costumes. The The accountability is Trump and his circle, uh, who will, will still try to coup right. um, as soon as they possibly can. So, yeah. Yeah, it's also, it's like less time than the actual civil war. So, kind of. <laughs> kind of a little bit like oh his he's gonna be in prison for like very small amount of time relative to like the damage that's been done to our society <laughs> like not yeah. saying yeah. That people should be in prison longer i think that like we should be aiming towards like the re- rehabilitation if we're gonna go that far and uh abolition probably at some point in the future but yep no i just I, I just feel like there should be more consequences for helping to organize and lead an assault on the government that you, yeah, I just think, yeah, yeah, leading, helping to, to organize a coup should probably come with, I don't know, more than a three than and a half that. years of jail time. Which he's probably not even going to serve that much, if, if we're honest. I mean, especially with with Marjorie Taylor Greene and other far right politicians suddenly so concerned with jail and prison conditions <laughs> now that it's now that it's white Republicans that are being locked up. Yeah, I heard one of the people I can't remember who it was who is basically in in prison for you know serving his term, and he's like really disgusted by the conditions. It's like yeah. <laughs> Where have you been? Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Prison conditions, not great. He's Who like, would this have is thought? really not okay. I was like, and then the judge <laughs> oh, apparently God. asked her something like, why did you plead guilty then? He's like, I didn't realize how bad it would be. I need to find that story. Insane. It's insane. We need to find that and post yeah. about that. Oh my yeah. God. I mean, on that sort of, I guess it's not related, but it is like psychically related is that we are still waiting on the verdict from the jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Everyone's sort of on edge. I mean- some unnecessary. I did see yesterday a very dramatic display putting like guardrails up in front of the the governor's mansion. But I think that people are are anticipating to be disappointed by this verdict as well. Yeah, it's not looking good considering the judge 
let Rittenhouse the judge draw crazy. his own jurors. I mean, just to clarify for anyone who, you know, doesn't know what I mean by that. Please. They, so 18 potential jurors hear the, the case and then they pick out of a hat, essentially, which 12 will become the actual ones who deliberate and then which ones will be alternates. And typically, like, the court clerk will draw the numbers to see who actually gets to make the deliber- make the deliberation. But mm-hmm. in this case, the judge, Judge Bruce Schrader, who has been so comically biased the entire time towards Kyle Rittenhouse, um, he let him pick the slips of paper to decide who the jurors would be. I think this judge needs a cognitive test. I think the judge is like a Fox News troll, actually. Like, that's my that's my like at this point, that is the judgment I formed about him is that like he knows what he's doing. He like is playing to the, the mm-hmm. cheap seats. Everyone's nodding. Yeah. 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 Ugh, that's yeah. So gross. I mean, I it's up there with the, the all white jury in the uh, trial yeah. of the uh, murder of Ahmad Arbery. It's like. OK. Was it was it first degree? Was it second degree? You know, but like the guy got killed as a homicide, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's only going to be white people from Georgia hearing that case, and it's just like a throwback to like the Emmett Till trial, where like yeah, absolutely, it's just white people hearing whether or not these white people brutalized uh, somebody who you know had nothing. Did nothing wrong except exist and be black. And, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, this whole thing. It, you know, this is how the system is supposed to work. This is what it was built for, to to make crimes like this small mm-hmm. and inoffensive and normalize them and make them acceptable yeah. as long as the right kinds of people are doing them. So for our main topic today, we are going to talk about some of the Vice President Kamala Harris discourse that's been going on this week. I've kind of, you know, with these things, I never really know how much oxygen to give it. But I do believe that, you know, she's been in the office for about a year. Um, I think it's perfectly fine to discuss what we feel her performance has been and, and what she's been allowed to do and where the tensions might be. And we can sort of talk about that in the context of this big article that came out that a lot of people are talking about that I think is was definitely didn't need to be like 5,000 words long. But This week seems to be dominated by discussions about how likable or unlikable and effective or ineffective the president and vice president are, as I said, specifically Vice President Kamala Harris. On Sunday, CNN published an article titled Exasperation and Dysfunction Inside Kamala Harris's Frustrating Start as Vice President. But then other headlines followed, bizarre ones. Uh, A headline from page six read, Kamala Harris is a really weird person. And an op-ed in the Washington Post began with, everybody has an opinion on Vice President Kamala Harris, which was just such an inside the beltway take. I don't think that's true. (laughs) Most people aren't thinking about her, but her approval rating, according to a USA Today Suffolk University poll, stands at just 28%. And much of the discourse, as I said, came from the CNN article. It focuses on Kamala Harris has been sidelined by the West Wing. It relies on, quote, interviews with nearly three dozen former and current Harris aides, administration officials, Democratic operatives, donors, and outside advisors. And it shares a few anecdotes. So before we go and discuss the article, do you think this article needed to be written or did reporters just not have enough to do this this week? I, I as much as it does feel like, ugh, it's, you don't want to see this article, 
we were we had this conversation about a week or two ago on our own like where has she been why has she not been better positioned um so i don't think it's like a waste of time i think if anything you know maybe this kind of article being out there can be like a wake-up call to the administration and the democratic party about how to use the vice president as an asset rather than set her up for failure as they have done. Not entirely, look, I don't want to blame the administration for what I think may also be certain shortcomings within her own office. But right, that's, you know, offices have shortcomings and it's not like we've never figured out our way around exactly. those. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be corrected here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a tension in between like, it's important for her to be gain visibility and to have uh, a place. And at the same time, there's kind of a certain amount of, I, I want to say like fishing expeditions in terms totally. of trying to find things to say about her. Um, and of course, to set her narrative before she can set her narrative. I think uh, a lot of what I was looking at, what I was reading, et cetera, it felt, it felt like looking back at the campaign again, um, these issues, her office's issues, her management style, and yep. her, um, her, her internal focus uh, on her talents and skills, the, that, all that language could have just been talked about in October 2019, like this was extremely well known. She dropped off the ballot before she any voting started because she had very serious internal problems in that campaign. And the campaigns are interviews. They are telling you how this person will function under pressure in office with responsibilities for themselves and what they want to accomplish. She demonstrated that she could not make the ballot. Now that saved her in other ways politically by not showing how weak she actually might have been. She also could have been stronger than -hmm. she expected, which would have given her a lot of momentum, but she tactically made some very large mistakes in her run that had nothing to do with her coverage and everything to do with her internal decisions. And every candidate who made that kind of set of decisions also failed. So there's, there's, I can't, you know, yeah. say that it, it, it's specifically that. But on the other side, she is constantly under this microscope and going to be framed in this extremely negative way. They're talking about how bad her approval rating is. Like her approval rating has some sort of like natural flow in the world. Oh yes, everyone has their natural approval rating. Caitlin's <laughs> approval rating today is forty-two. Like no, yeah. that's not how that works. <laughs> I don't have a natural approval rating. People don't know who I am. People are not thinking about me. They don't have an opinion about me. The admin is pretending that somehow bizarrely that doesn't happen. And like they shouldn't have an aggressive force to protect her. But that also sounds like the campaign. And when he was choosing Kamala Harris and how he let these subordinates who were running the search say horrible shit about her multiple times in public to undermine her credibility. So when he does pick her, it's clear that he did it because he had to. Nice. That is a super awesome thing, Joe. Glad you were supportive of the first black woman you're going to put on your ticket. I mean, in the, in the beginning of the administration, and I think even when he selected her for vice president, I think they did do a lot of 
posturing of like, we're going to really support her. Um, you know, she's yeah. going to be by our side. So she was very visible in the first few months of the administration. But I – why the fuck would they pick the border and the migrant <laughs> issue to be her – to be her issue? Like in what way right. does that fit her background? That is complete – it's also an issue that is entirely out of her – like truly out of her control. Why wouldn't they given her – why wouldn't they have given her voting rights, which is like – a very they favorable – No, but like you never see her talking about it. You know, like why didn't they well, actually yeah. make it really her issue, like her one focus, a very favorable thing. And like why are you, why are you putting her in charge of like Guatemala? It just makes no sense. Yeah. I mean I think what's happening here – and now I'll go through kind of the specific anecdotes in the article is like – like Caitlin said, like she has very real weaknesses, like most politicians, and the White House is just giving her things that only play to her weaknesses and not her strengths, and it's it's not working out. And she and her office have a responsibility to overcome some of those weaknesses. But like they, if you read this article, it's it really reads like you know one of these stories you find out like a startup has a really toxic environment and is terrible management. And there's so much where it's like, how did this even? Bill over. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So the White House, like I said, basically the overarching theory is that Vice President Kamala Harris and her supporters, they feel like she's been sidelined and put in a really narrow lane politically and kind of like, kind of like she can't say or do anything. The White House, White House aides think, and the article is just these people responding to one another through reporters. It's insane. Like, everybody just have a fucking meeting with each other. White House aides think she's doing that to herself, uh, sidelining herself, and that her office isn't doing her any favors. You're right. I mean, this is a pattern with her. And if you've been reading about her offices and her campaigns for a while, the reason I, I'm i I'm unlikely to just say this is sexism, you're just a fisting expedition, is because these are patterns for her that unfortunately it looks like have not been overcome yet. But the alleged issue is also described at one point as, quote, a conundrum unique to her. People are expecting their historic vice president to make history every day when, in fact, she's trying to carry the duties of a secondary role. Her team pointed that anything a black woman does is going to get increased scrutiny, as will anything she does as the first woman president, which I think speaks to Sammy's point. Like, why put the first black woman in that office in charge of the border, the most incendiary topic for for Fox News? And this is caused tension too. her office said, you know, they were so quick to defend people to judge when Tucker Carlson called him out for taking parental leave and they feel like they haven't 
that they haven't done that for her when she's had so-called gaffes or times when she was getting attacked. She felt like she wasn't getting the defense. And, and even in the article, like it's just a back and forth. I could just go through it all. The White House is like, uh, she did that to herself. Like with Pete, he was being actively attacked. But uh, so that specific example and the piece points to issues with Kamala's with Vice President Harris's inner circle that we've heard about before in her campaign for vice president. Like I said, these patterns stick out to me and two specifically were that she can be really overly cautious and lack vision. Those always stick out to me because I have those, I always suspect those traits in myself and have to overcome them. <laughs> like, follow through on your ideas. Don't be so scared. I mean, it's funny you're saying like you relate to that. I also relate to the sort of like spreading oneself thin nature where you just like, yeah. you know, can't sort of like conquer everything. So perhaps there are lessons. That's for so us. interesting. I wonder if a lot of women will read this story and think like, Oh, I've done that in my workplace. And that's kind of a matter of being pulled in so many directions, especially as a woman and like feeling spread too thin and like you can't really deliver on anything particular. I mean, how about the fact that it's just like that's natural? Like it doesn't one exactly. person cannot <laughs> one person is not in charge of like the entire management of an administration. It's like there it's about it's about the team and it's about the way that and it's about the culture. And it's also partly about her. But, like, people – no one is perfect. So why is it expected that she should be able to, like, hold together this perfect office? Like, again, leadership. More than that, here's what it really comes down to. She is stumbling, and so is the White House, over what exactly her portfolio should look like, what she should be doing, where she should be, how the vice presidency should function. And that's because the vice presidency, and I'm so sorry to Kamala Harris, it's completely worthless. It, <laughs> you can't name a vice president you haven't lived through. Try it. Try it. Who did not take over the office. That's their job. Dan Quayle? The no, he only ran. Dan Quayle's the Guys, you take over. There is no other yeah. job. There's nothing else for you to do. There's nowhere for you to go. There's no issues for you to impact. You are not there to work you are there as a literal warm body that is the job that is the purpose of it people who have held that office to even themselves are like it is it is useless you cannot do anything with it it's not you would think biden knew that, that as well yeah and that's the problem that's that's ultimately like we're we're getting into this about like oh kamala harris and what is she supposed to do but the truth is that that's defined by the president the president defines what the vice president is, what they do, who they are, how that functions. That is their entire job, is to set the parameters. And, and Barack Obama set amazing parameters for Joe Biden. He, and that's because that's who Barack Obama is. He's a thoughtful guy. He knew that he wasn't going to be able to do this without getting support from his VP because that person is totally fine with the first black president getting shot. They're going to take over. Right. And when you think about that, like he had a very, very high assassination risk. He knew he needed somebody who could take over in that chaos. That was a very important relationship for him. And he knew it from the moment he had to get very early Secret Service protection. That was yeah. always on his mind. He thought about who was going to be best situated to help him navigate what his period was going to look like, what his presidency was going to look like. Joe Biden did not do that. <laughs> Okay, Joe Biden is not Barack Obama, and he does not have the same set of skills, nor is he particularly interested in making sure his vice president is well equipped. And you're seeing the that's results. just insane, because this whole time it was like, we already know that the pick is supposed to be set up to be the nominee. I read in this article, they were like, well, Biden is trying to 
trying to position Kamala Harris exactly how he felt Obama positioned him. But these are two different. It does sound like like they're just their weaknesses right now within their personalities and the respective offices are really worsening each other. And another anecdote I think highlights this tension. So White House aides said that that Vice President Harris wasn't present enough while they were like working to muscle lawmakers to support the infrastructure bill. Her office is like she did it in her own way. We like invited people over for coffee to just talk and she was able to influence people. And then CNN went to those people and we're like, did Kamala Harris influence you? And they were like, well, no, not really, <laughs> which seemed like a that was that was definitely a rougher part of the piece. But you mentioned she's been put in charge of voting rights, but that has sort of taken a backseat to Biden's domestic agenda. She seems very concerned with like loyalty and like she doesn't want to talk about anything that he's not prioritizing, yet he's not really giving her a strong role in the things that he is prioritizing. But like you said, Sammy, with voting rights, like apparently she has said privately she knows the filibuster's got to go. I want like I don't I I want her to make Joe Biden mad. I kind of want her to get on TV. Like nobody's muscling these senators about voting rights. Nobody. And is do you think she's waiting for his lead? Well, I think that's sort of an inherent problem. Um contrasting with what Caitlin was just saying about Obama, like his set of skills is that he is a leader who is able to lead top down. The administration has to be led top down. Yes. But in the article, it's it it cites Ron Klain as one of um like her biggest kind of like supporters, I guess. And something he told her was like, you can take your budget and yeah. maneuver your staff or maneuver your your strategy. But it's like, but what about that in contrast to the president where one administration, like, shouldn't there be like some direction given to her, like, rather than her just right. functioning and then potentially being uh, in misalignment with, Biden and then all you're going to hear about how it, there's disarray in the administration. It's just it's a she can't win. Yeah, there's one part about how Tina Flore, who's her like main advisor or her chief of staff rather, goes to I don't know if it was Ron Klain or somebody else and was like, it, we think it's a bandwidth issue. Like you guys say she's not following through on things, but we need more people for long term planning. And they were told like, oh, we don't handle your budget. Your budget that was comes Ron Klain. It's like this is this. Yeah, this is the president and the vice president of the United States. That is not a satisfying answer. What were the like, conversations if I like? If I complained to somebody at Betches and they were like, that's not the, the budget. I was like, like, Sammy, that would not be an acceptable answer. We'd be like, no, 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 no. We need to problem solve. That right. is not an answer to the question. OK, then we need to address that part. Like, like, go talk you to don't Rachel. just throw your hands up and say, <laughs> right, exactly. Go talk to somebody else about it. No, but here's right. the, the fundamental issue. This should have been ironed out in the talks. This this should, this is how that's supposed to go. When yeah. you are planning for this person to join your ticket, you're thinking, okay, so what is our synergy like? What is our campaign coming on board going to look like? What are the plans for you? How do we work together? You know, like you should have had an idea about that. What what the fuck was their campaign? Like, was it really just like, okay, we just got to beat this guy and then everything will be smooth sailing? Like, what in the delusion? It actually is going seems on like here? that was. That I think was that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And the piece does. <laughs> I mean, they compare like it, it was, to. Uh, although, I don't, I don't know if I want to say that because, again, that would. I don't think that Biden didn't try early on because you could see he was trying by how visible he made her, by how like he pushed her to the front. I think you're dealing with. A racist, sexist media. You're also dealing with some internal management issues and shortcomings from her. And you're just dealing with a challenging environment. Like Biden does not have a, a suitable environment that 
supports him. And I kind of understand, mm-hmm. I kind of get why they're in this situation because you have a few different pieces that really just set it up to be how it is. Yeah, but the, then again, here's my fundamental issue. That is the job you volunteered for. <laughs> like, you literally right. volunteered to do. This is not the same as, like, the rest of us who are muddling about our lives, just trying to survive, whatever. Exactly. Like, you had to sit down and you planned for months how you were going to run the country. And you didn't think, hmm, my second lieutenant should probably be really well equipped. Also, these are the issues we're going to be running into. I should should think about those. Should think about right, those in some sort of way. You know what? We'll wait for a second. We'll put them on the back burner. We'll figure it all out come January twentieth. Everything's gonna be fine. And that tracks yeah. with a lot of a lot of criticisms we've seen of the administration getting sort of caught with their pants down. Like, no, no, it'll all be fine. Nobody will have a reaction to this. And you know, they're like, "What well, White House aides in the CNN article? They're like, we just can't deal with them. Like, they don't know what they're they don't know what they want to do, and we just don't have time. It's like you have to make t- like it's your job. It's your whole job. It's the whole point. You have to make." You have to make the time. And it sounds like Joe and Kamala have a strong personal relationship, like there aren't tensions there, but it's going to wear down eventually if if the teams can't work together. And apparently like, so she was really out front in the beginning, but I read that like her team didn't love that. They felt it made her seem like she was just the warm body next to him for the pictures and that she didn't have her own sense of like ownership and identity over her things. And she's since been handed those. But like Caitlin said, like the Southern border... Shoot, that's a losing game. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Also, a question I have that I've been thinking about a lot is like, this is our first woman vice president. Why isn't she on TV every day raging about the fact that abortion is illegal in Texas? Like, I, if you would ask me three years ago, what do you think? Like, I, I would only imagine a situation in which our woman vice president is saying, I don't give a fuck what the president wants me to talk about. Abortion is almost illegal. So I'm going to go on TV and, and talk about it. So I wonder if she also maybe, I don't know if she like has a very strong sense of like, mission in herself for some of these issues. Apparently she was really engaged at like a an event for like criminal justice and um I can't National remember the Action other topic. But it was celebrating Al yeah. birthday. She made exactly. a speech about voting rights, all this other stuff. And voting you rights, know, okay. honestly the law is I mean, it's very obvious for a former attorney general, but like that is where she's passionate. And I mean, I don't want to say this. 
I mean, I'm going to say it and it's going to be nice and controversial. So we'll get all the clicks, but <laughs> she shouldn't have left the Senate. That is, it's where her strength really lies. It's, it's her talent. I'm so sorry to say this. Is she a great executive? No, that's not, not her skill set. She's not a good, she's not good at running things. She, she likes pondering, contemplation, relationships. She's very good that. at these things. I am not knocking her skill. She could have been an amazing Senate majority leader in another world if she'd stayed in the Senate instead of wanting the presidency so bad, which is not yeah, I mean, there for are, everybody. There are you could fuck that up theories. and look at what happens if you fuck up the presidency. Like it's it destroys the entire country. You can't you can't treat it like it's a cool thing that you really, really want, like an awesome razor scooter when we were 10. I agree with that. I mean, I hate to say that I agree with that. Not anything to knock her. She's amazing. But not everybody has the skills of an executive. And that is okay Because you can make a lot of you can have a huge impact without being an executive, without being the president. And I completely agree with that. And that is not a knock on her. I'm a huge fan of hers. I she was the primary. She was the original mm -hmm. primary candidate who I supported. And I, you know, I, I am seeing that now. You're seeing it sort of bear out. But do you think that maybe she would – who says she would have even made it to the Senate if she didn't want to be president, though? That's the other piece is like – That's that's my problem. They all okay, want to so be I wrote president. about this on my Patreon way back yeah. last year when she was being picked. You, if you are a $20 yeah. patron, can go read it. Anyway, <laughs> the point is that Kamala Harris, like – there's too much of a focus on the presidency. I kind of resent Barack yeah. Obama for many, many things. But one of the things that is so goddamn terrible that he did was decide that, like, the presidency is the thing that I'm made for, which it turned out to be true. But that was such a people were just obsessed with it. They're Democratic politicians. Just they don't even care. Like, they literally will let the rest of the world burn so they can get to the presidency. We're watching Biden not prepared. It's amazing. He spent 30 years of his life trying to be president. And when he gets it, he's like a dog that caught a car. That's yeah. what it is. Like he, and, and everyone's just Pete Buttigieg. Everybody trying to get to the presidency. Motherfuckers. Everything is on fire because you won't pay attention to what power right. is doing at all the other levels up to the presidency. And right. now we have no one to staff these levels. And Democrats are just running around trying to find a president who's so amazing that he can just single-handedly fix all of shit forever. That's not yeah. how any of this works. I'm very mad. The entire political party <laughs> is obsessed with putting their best and brightest in the places they don't belong. And I need to say this about people who just do. You don't belong in the presidency. You can manage a fucking South Bend, okay? Just, just sit in your transportation space. Do that thing. Do really good at it undo some of the very serious problems that we have there. And then, you know, I don't know, have a really nice life as a professor at Notre Dame. We don't yeah, there's need like, you in the presidency. People don't seem to realize that, like, you can be a hero in a lot of places if you just, like, quietly go about the thing you're good at. It's very unusual. Like, um, yeah. And yeah, no, I think, I think it's like a narcissism thing, like, that – it's like the president. I mean, I think these people think that they can be good at it. And I mean, in other countries, it's, I mean, the issue in this country is that you pair electability. You have to have somebody who's the most electable and will be a good executive. Those things don't always go together. They're That's not, I mean, Joe Biden didn't actually. pick. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Joe Biden didn't pick Kamala Harris because she was going to be a good leader. It was because she was going to help him get get him elected. Like in other countries, like you don't always elect the person that ends up running stuff. I mean, there's a reason that they're selected by the people that they have to work with. They choose the person that they think will do the best job and in the management. This is role. why I support superdelegates continuing to exist. This. Interesting. Right I didn't think we'd go here. here. <laughs> is exactly the reason I want Democratic insiders who were responsible for the day you want some people's votes to matter more than keeping others, the party alive should have an extra set of input on who it is that gets to lead this party. If you can't yeah. manage those relationships, you are not good for this job. You deserve to lose. That is it, because that is how the party's going to run. This is the this is the problem with Democratic politics. Like Kamala Harris is like an an unfortunate example of like the entire party's misalignment on what actually matters because she's a very talented, wonderful person. She has enormous potential and growth. She really has the ability to completely reshape the course of this country, but not from where she is. And she chose that position. And that makes me wonder if she really understands all of her potential because she could have been doing something so much more important than haggling with her staff in the pages of CNN or or wherever to try to get her some kind of dignity in an office where she was selected because literally as a token to demonstrate things because Joe Biden didn't think reasonably about what it was going to take for him to run this country properly. So do you think Kamala Harris is blameless or do you and it's mostly it was all this. These issues are President Biden's completely on him. I think it's rare that anything ever has one cause. And so therefore she can't be blameless. But like, is it entirely her fault? No. Yeah. Well, I also don't think it should be Joe Biden's job, like his job as the president to manage Kamala Harris's portfolio. Like it's clearly the people that are in charge of his office and the people that are in charge of her office just don't. I don't think his office like sees has sees themselves as having a responsibility to to serve her in any way. And Joe Biden is just not paying close enough attention to see that that's like not happening for her. But this is the future of the party, which is the thing that was brought up in that long piece which is like her side is like correct. Right. When he made that pick, he was making a signal. The reason that people supported that pick, the people, the reason, the reason people supported the ticket was because they thought that he had picked a successor and that the successor was going to align with the base of the party, which is black women. I don't know how many times you have to say this just because you want it to be white collar white men, just <laughs> black collar, well, blue collar white men. Does that mean it's going to be? It's never going to be again. Just please let it go. Black women are your target. If you aim for them, you will strike so many other groups along the way. It's just true. Stop, stop yeah. arguing with us. Second, if you're going to pick her, you got to treat her like she's a gift. That's that's the point. She's supposed to be the gift. You, you couldn't win without her, not the other way around. That is not how that works. She is the gift to your ticket to make you look good and to give you the opportunity to show that you have outgrown your Jim Eason was just a good old boy kind of shit. Okay? Right. That's the point. That, that's why we forgave you for that whole busing thing that you did. Because do you think anyone forgot? Do you think anybody forgot? You think Jim Clyburn forgot? 
no. In South Carolina, he picked Biden because he was looking at the, the possibilities and being like, I can make this motherfucker do what I want. And what happened? Kamala Harris ended up on the ticket. But now, Joe Biden's like, I don't need y'all. I'm good. I know how to do this. Sir, you clearly do not. Okay, your campaign was about to die until Black people revived it with CPR. Stop and just do what we tell you to do. Please let Kamala Harris be treated like the future of this goddamn party. If she fails, at that point, it is on her. She has fucked up. She knew what the assignment was. But do not. But how do we square this with us having, how do we square this with us just having said that she's like a bad executive and she shouldn't be the future of the party? Because you don't, if you are not a good executive, then you find the right people to be around you and everyone has to be committed to it. And I think anybody can do that if you have the right people around you because she has enough talent that she could over, like everything that she needs yeah. to be successful in this role is available to her. Yes, I think. Other than as it, Caitlin believes, Joe Biden's support. What goes in, what goes without saying in this article is that this is just a bunch of fucking people. Like, pos- you know, right. th- we're talking about like the result of the actions of probably a hundred people, like who all just sort of like are banging into each other, and some like Joe Biden is the only one who can really say. This is what we're doing. Get in line. Mm-hmm. Like treat Kamala like the leader of the party that she's going to be. And he's really the only one who can like sit yeah. down his administration and say, this is our priority. We're all focusing here. And we're all, you know, anytime something is, anytime an issue is considered, this is a major consideration. Right. If I see another headline about Kamala, like her doing something that was received poorly, like somebody's going to be in trouble that day. Like that's <laughs> what needs to happen. But I mean, that's also, we don't really know how much of that is of her own making. But like we've said this whole time, it's clear that they're both just like, nobody is playing to each other's strengths and they don't see each other as each other's responsibility. And that is fundamentally incorrect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just can't stop thinking about like, would Barack Obama had he chosen Kamala Harris, would this be what would come out of that White House? And it's absolutely no. untrue. Like, there's no way if he had picked her, he wouldn't have understood why he had picked her and what she brought to the table. That was, if you want to get into it, like, there's the Barack Obama was a once in a generation political talent, but like his understanding that like you pull the team together based off of what they can accomplish. You understand where their frictions are, what they're capable of. His knowledge of people to be like, this person's not going to work well with my team. This is the kind of energy I like. This is the kind of outlook I like. I need people who understand that about me and I understand that about them. And unless we have that vibe, I can't work with you. And he understood like exactly what made Joe Biden great from a political standpoint, that kind of cold calculating white dude, old, knows the way around things makes me look good cool i show that i'm capable of like still i believe in old white people like look the old white people they are calm because there's an old white person near me they're gonna be my number two that's cold and then there's the warm stuff empathetic thoughtful avuncular the guy just makes you laugh like all the time he's really a perfect number two he balances out like the more cold elements of obama's personality he makes things in plain talk. Come on. Like, it was always going to be a great combo. And But he thought about it. And you could tell. Mm-hmm. And has Joe thought about what makes Kamala Harris so great? I don't know. From a personal standpoint, it seems like he has. But he hasn't thought about, like, you know, how to 
how yeah. to how to make that stronger. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's your job. That is his job. I'm also just thinking, like, trying to be a little I mean, thinking of how desperate we were to get Trump out, too. I can see why they were not calculating enough at the time. About like, OK, how is this actually practically going to work? And they were just like, how do we how do we make sure this ticket wins? And maybe they just didn't anticipate how how opposite this dynamic might be. Joe Biden's just not prepared. That's yeah. Yeah. And I think the fact that he's, you know, his approval ratings are low. People are starting to talk about 2022. Then they're going to talk about 2024. And she's obviously kind of like the standard bearer. So obviously these conversations come up. But I think we said at the beginning, it's good. Maybe this is like this is a warning and things need to like usually when when there are companies against workplace, there are articles about workplaces like this. Things change. So I would hope in the in the actual White House uh, they do. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm hoping will be the result of this, because the truth is no one remembers anything other than what happened like yesterday or maybe even a week ago. So this can be corrected by 2022, by 2024. Oh, yeah. So all the like big flashing warning signs that have happened in the past two weeks, let's like now take it as the feedback that it is and like act on it. Right. This is the time. Start now. Like right now. Um, right. It's not like all gone. It's not like, you know, dead on arrival. It's like, oh, we're seeing some bad signs. Now let's let's like take those into account and move accordingly. <laughs> That's all I'm yeah, asking Strategic for. planning. Yeah. The question becomes, what happens now that you recognize that all of the lights are like, this is the moment. Like you're under pressure. Yeah. You have to figure out how to simultaneously soothe this country into a place that it can elect a black woman in a few years. Like, are we there? I don't know. <laughs> Things are crazy. You have to you have to be thinking about how to protect everybody. You have to be thinking about how to move the agenda forward. This is a not fun time to be president in the United States history. I don't get why Joe Biden wanted it so bad. But hey, <laughs> everybody's got ambitions. So cool. But like you now you got to start thinking about it. You got to start positioning people to succeed and you got to start treating your team like this is it. Like we this is we only get one shot. You know, you got to you yeah. know, got to deal with that. That mom's spaghetti. <laughs> I think that, that 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 metaphor would work pretty well with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. I think that's all they need. Yeah. <laughs> that is our show for today. Definitely um, send me, DM me feedback about what you think, what you thought about this conversation. Uh, whenever we talk about women, we want to be careful. But I think it's, I feel very honored and privileged that I get to process all of this with you guys and with our community. It feels safe and nice. So thank you for this conversation. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Kitten Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.